prayer is more than just a secret handshake or special code with the Almighty to make him work his divineness for our purposes. Prayer connects humans with him who made us so that in the process, we once again are restored by him who made us good. Offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. We're continuing our study on the book of James, and I'm joined again with a wonderful panel of brilliant individuals who are going to help me talk about prayer, healing, and restoration. But first, let's learn a bit about you. So if you can tell me your name and one of the most memorable injuries you've ever had. Well, my name is Abby McPherson, and one of my most memorable injuries was playing in the kitchen with marble floors and slipping on that wet surface and fracturing my elbow. Oh. Ouch. I didn't know elbows fractured. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know. I'm Natalia. Um, I think that one of my most memorable injuries was running down uh, the steps in a subway in New York and slipping and falling and... Uh, fracturing my ankle as well. So I had to be carried off. I had to take the subway into Grand Central so that um, some you know, ambulance could come pick me up and take me. It was really embarrassing. <laughs> you had to take the <laughs> subway painful. to an ambulance. Yes, yeah, oh, it was not good. That's horrible and I'm trying so hard not to laugh. <laughs> I'm failing. It's okay, you can laugh <laughs> at me, it's fine. <laughs> uh, my name is Myron Madden and my worst injury was I was working at a summer camp and we had a hill going down to the trash can. So I would ride the trash can down the <laughs> hill and um, I got pretty good at it until one day there was a girl in the distance and I wanted to show off and I wasn't being careful and I Ooh. slid. Mm. I actually, it was like rug burn down the entire way. Yeah. That sounds awful. Yeah. Oh my. That's impressive. Yeah. I, I shouldn't <laughs> laugh at people falling down hills. <laughs> But I've been stung on the lip by a bee before. So if you want comedic injuries, that's a pretty good one. Yes. Oh, ridiculous. Uh -huh. <laughs> so let's start this um, serious topic that we've <clears throat> been laughing about now. Let's start off with our key text and a prayer. So Myron, if you could read James 5:16 for us and then lead us in a short word of prayer. Glad to. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. <laughs> Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I want to thank you so much for bringing us here so that we might talk about your word just a little bit, Lord. I said you may allow whatever is said here in the studio to go out and help someone who's listening, God. Uh, be with us now as we talk. Uh, give us divine inspiration. Would pray? Amen. 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 Okay, so... This is a lesson about suffering, which is always fun. But we know that suffering can lead us closer to God. Um, we know how suffering draws us closer to the Lord through prayer. But what, though, are the spiritual dangers when things are going well for us? I know for, for me, when things are coasting too much, you you start relying on your own power 
and you forget who's really driving you. So uh, when everything is all good, uh, you have no wants or no needs, or you just want more of an abundance. So it's not necessarily the need of God that you want, it's the wants that you want to mm -hmm. keep on getting. So you, uh, you stop being thankful and you start getting more demanding. Oh, I want a bigger yes. car, I want a bigger house, when everything is going well, but you know, when it all falls down, it's like, have mercy. So, right, it's hard to say that, okay, I have exactly what I need. Mm -hmm. I want nothing else. Mm -hmm. well, I don't think many of us get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> Adding to that, one thing that's really fun, when we have a long period where nothing is going wrong at all, we're not constantly, daily, depending on God, um, mm -hmm. we tend to think, okay, this is God working in my life. I go to my prayer groups and I'm saying, you know, hey, everything is going fine. My life is amazing. God is working every single day. You know, this is assuming that we're remembering every day and we're staying grateful. But what happens is that when something goes wrong, automatically we're starting, we're, we're, it's kind of like the opposite of Job. We're thinking, oh God, you've been working so great in my life. What's happening now? And mm -hmm. we kind of start to separate and lose faith in him because we're thinking, you know, Christianity equals amazing life. It doesn't? Mm -hmm. I know. <laughs> what? Yeah, I think it kind of happens both ways. We we could forget God when everything is going well, or we could become angry with him when things are not going well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we just need to strike that balance in the middle of prayer and praise. Um, prayer, you know, during the difficult times is really easy. Mm -hmm. um, and praising God in the good times mm -hmm. also feels easy. Um, but to do it in the good and in the bad time, doing both, we need to try to mm -hmm. do that. You know, I've, I often look at the relationships that God has given us here on earth as a very dim reflection of the relationship that he has with us. And one of the things that I noticed with married couples and even when you're dating, there's a tendency when things are going wrong, there's that same danger that you talked about, Natalia, that you can either be upset with each other and completely stop communication, mm -hmm. thus leading to <laughs> breakups at mm -hmm. some point, or there's just a huge overabundance of conversation that, okay, well, we need to work this out. And that's when you find these couples staying up until three in the morning on the phone because they had a big argument. The same when things are going well. It's very easy when you're in a marriage and everything's fine, bills are being paid, nothing really going wrong, to sit down and spend all afternoon watching TV together and not talking, and then going out to eat mm -hmm. and eating and not talking, and then going out with friends and not talking. It's very easy to lose some of that conversation because things are good. What do we have to talk about? Mm -hmm. We have nothing to fix. You know, it's, it's an oh-so-natural tendency. <laughs> but let's look, you know, we've read our key text was James 5.16, but let's get a little bit more context on this. Um, it's a powerful, powerful text, if I could say it right, by itself, but I feel like when we see what's around it, we might glean a little bit inform more information. So if we go to James 5.14 and 15, um, let's read through those and then see what are the essential elements for anointing the sick. Uh, if somebody could read 14 and 15 for me. No problem. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
and the prayer and the, and the prayer of the faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven okay mine is right on a flip so you're gonna see me going back and forth a lot sorry <laughs> all right so what are the essential elements of appointing of anointing hmm, of anointing the sick that we see in these verses all right, this one isn't too much of a trick question. I know, right? <laughs> We're looking straight it's at it. right there. <laughs> um, well, it's talking about calling the elders of the church. Prayer is definitely a part of um, anointing. Um, oil and in the name of the Lord. So it talks about, you know, those different elements. Okay. Now, is this something that we do too often nowadays? I see it in, a, like, extreme situations. Yeah. Like, it's not... Mm -hmm or normal practice anymore. And I don't know it's because they want something to be very special, but it's like when somebody's extremely sick. Right, and they're mm. deathbed. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, recently, my grandmother passed very recently, actually, mm. like last mm. month. Um, and so the, the pastor and a few elders from the church came to the hospital mm. and the clinic and anointed her then. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely when a person is, is yeah. Near their, near their time of death. Right. I, I really want to just attack, I'm sorry, Bible. I want to attack just that <laughs> one word, you know, elders. I, I don't mm. feel like it should just be the elders that are being called. I feel like everyone should, I mean, not all at once. You don't want the entire church inside one person's right. uh, <laughs> hospital yeah. room. But, you know, we should all be coming to this person and, you know, maybe not anointing them, praying with them, letting them know that the church mm -hmm. family supports them, not just the elders, because they're obligated to be here. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was one of the questions that came to my mind when I read it, see, flipping back and forth, mm -hmm. is what is it about the elders? Why are they the ones called? Is it because they represent the church as a whole? Is it because they have some special super connection? What do you think it was about the elders of the time? I know the elders of these times are like ordained, aren't they? That doesn't say yeah. it here, but right. I, be I believe the elders of today are ordained, so they're mm -hmm. held to a, a higher status as it comes to like responsibilities and mm -hmm. where they are, I suppose, with their relationship with Christ. So I'm not sure why it's not like everybody the free will, but I wouldn't necessarily want everybody rubbing oil on my forehead. <laughs> Maybe it's just a matter of hygiene, too. Right. Right. Okay. Elders know how to wash their hands before they rub <laughs> oil on them. <laughs> now, this is, this is interesting because this whole section, at least in my Bible, is listed as the prayer of faith. Hmm. And we see in verse 15, flip, flip. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Now, this, it's interesting to me because we know, and like you said, your mother was anointed, or your grandmother, grandmother yeah. was anointed, and she didn't necessarily... Become well, yeah. Right, the sick, that, in that case, do we blame the faith? What, how do we wrestle with this? Right, I think there's another version that I was reading and I'm not sure exactly which version it is. I should have maybe written that <laughs> it's down. It's okay, I'm always uh, going, I saw on the internet somewhere. Right, so. okay, somewhere. <laughs> I forgive um, you. <laughs> but it's talking about, there's another version that says that uh, that the faith will save the sick. This, yep, and, oh. and salvation. Oh, you have, oh, you have this version. What's Good. the version? 
So this, I don't know what version do you have. NIV? She has a different NIV. I have an NIV as well. But anyway, it says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And I think that idea of salvation mm -hmm. is a spiritual one, not always a, a physical one. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. That's what I was looking at. It definitely says, will save the sick. So kind of like seal them. And then the second come, uh, we look at the raising as in the raising of the dead. Right. So right. it can be taken, I suppose, in two contexts, like... It's not always that you, the person's going to be restored to full health. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and we can have hope in the fact that there's another, there's a second coming to where that person will be restored and raised again. Right. right. And, you know, like I said, this is the prayer of faith. And I think a lot of faith, as we've seen throughout this whole book, um, has to deal with who you see as the authority. Who do you trust with everything. And it, sickness and death is a very, it's a very sensitive ground to tread on. Mm -hmm. And no, saying things like, well, God knew what was best for this person doesn't necessarily make anybody feel better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely <laughs> We've not. all had that. But at the same time, you know, the prayer offered in faith, faith that the right thing will happen. I'm seeing those looks. <laughs> I, I honestly, I believe in that because, um, but it, it's it's also really fine led, uh, fine line to tread because, I mean, if you're saying, all right, I know I used to pray this a lot. I used to say, okay, dear any father, uh, I'm sick, or I, well, actually better, I'm about to get in this plane and fly. Um, I ask that you may please let me get to my destination safely, but if I crash and burn, you know, it's all in your hands, that's, that's okay. But that's not me having faith, that's just me saying, okay, God, if I get there, I praise you. If I don't, I praise you. I'm just, um, I'm not saying that's a good practice, that's me saying, no matter what happens, I'm just gonna give you right. the, the outcome. The, right, um, and you know, a lot of times, I feel like that, that idea of, oh, what's bad is God's will. What's bad is not always God's will. We live in a world mm. full of sin, and death is not a result of God's will necessarily, but more of a, of, of a result of, 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 the, sin. of sin. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So, you know, we live out the consequences of, of being sinful beings, of, of living in a sinful world, unfortunately, and so death and, and illness I don't believe it's necessarily God's will, um, mm -hmm. but it is a result of the world in which we live. Right. Now let's let's keep going in this same passage um, with the section following our key verse, which was um, James five seventeen and eighteen. If somebody could look mm -hmm. for that one, yeah. just to give us a little bit more of the context of this prayer of faith. Mm -hmm. I'll read it. It says, Elijah was a man. Uh, uh, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Mm. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Okay, so now looking at these two verses, here comes the question. When do we learn... Hmm? No, not when. That would make no sense. Let's try again. <laughs> what do we learn in James 5, 17, and 18, these passages we just read, about prayer from Elijah's example. 
Oh, the word earnestly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but also that that word. Gonna touch on that. Also, the I'm gonna pull the same thing. Uh, the Bible I was looking at before said fervent, fervent. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I think it's really both of those. If we're praying earnestly, you know, this is actually something we want God to do for us, and hmm. we're having faith completely that He will do this thing if we're praying for it, and if we pray often. It's not just a, hey, God, let me pass this test. Okay, I'm gonna go do what I wanna do now. But it's, let me stop, take some time out of my day, get down on my knees and actually pray for this because I know you'll do it. I'm just going to um, make sure that I take the time to ask you for it. Uh, that, that can do great things, especially in this case mm -hmm. where it stopped raining for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just wanted to bring out a point when it says it, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain he didn't give a specific time period. So to me, it means that he prayed for three years and six months hmm. constantly that it would not rain. And it only rained when he changed his prayer. Hmm. But when we pray earnestly for something, that means you are on the brink of getting on God's nerves asking for the situation. <laughs> you know, and you want, you want your situation to change. And in this case, it's just he's not praying for a blessing. He's praying for something not to happen. Lord, it does not need to rain. Do not no let it rain. rain. No rain, no rain Don't no rain, let no it rain. literally, <laughs> earnestly, and for extensively for three years and six months, hmm. and his earnest prayers allowed it not to happen. Mm -hmm. And it was only when he released that prayer that it started raining again, and the earth produced crops and fruits and stuff. Yeah. I also think there's an element of, you know, the Bible verse that says um, to come confidently and boldly mm -hmm. before the throne of God. Oh. Um, I think it's definitely a, an element of that as well. Coming because, it, I mean, I'm not sure. Um, I agree with you that the prayer was specific probably. And, and it was right. very, he was confident that God was going to do what he asked him to do. So, you know, I think that, that there's an element of that, of being bold, being confident, being specific to God about what we what we want. And now touching again, back a little bit to our, our key text, because this is our nugget of gold within this longer context that we've just seen. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and read our key text once again, not that you didn't do a great job. <laughs> just as a reminder of what we're talking about. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, here's our key question, right in the middle. What role do prayer and confession play in our quest for healing? I believe that it helps us be specific. Hmm. So, prayer and confession. You're praying for something to be done, but then also you're confessing, which means that you're submitting to the will of God mm -hmm. and the fact that you might have been doing something that might be affecting your health, and now you want something different to happen. Mm -hmm. So you're asking, but then you're also submitting. You're also giving up mm -hmm. in order to receive what you're requesting, which in this case is healing. Yeah. Mm. I think that prayer, um, you know, a lot of times we approach prayer as uh, God being kind of a genie mm -hmm. or something like that. So we're praying for that particular thing so that God will 
snap his fingers and it'll come to right. be what we want it. Right. You can run marathons. Exactly. Um, but prayer is actually a process that changes us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, 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 that part of confession is really a strong part of, of changing ourselves, of yeah. God coming to us and changing our hearts. Um, so say that, for example, I'm having, um, you know, some, some kind of strain in one of my relationships in a friendship or in a, or in a, a, or with a family member or whatever. Um, I need to come to God and confess that unforgiveness. Like, mm -hmm. God, this person did this to me. I confess that I'm unforgiving of this person right now. Can you help me to be forgiving? And God will help me to be forgiving, change my heart, and then also change um, that relationship. Hmm. And, you know, I go back in my mind, I'm thinking still a little bit of a conversation we had a few weeks ago in a study that was about judgment and gossiping and praying for one another. And what I see here in this verse, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. There's, there's a love that I feel is in this, that it's, it's a bit of accountability the confession of, of sins, but at the same time, um, it's an acknowledgement, not only to God, but to each other, if that, if the case may be. And I feel that, yes, this is quite often in reference to, and very obviously in some parts, in reference to physical healing. There's also aspects of spiritual healing and healing of relationships. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, Natalia, that there's relationships and unforgiving and there's a lot of sin that comes in between us as humans and I feel like this confession and and praying for one another is one of the remedies as it were to help heal some of that mm -hmm. yeah. brokenness I, think so. I like that especially because I'm just going to come out and say it I apologize if I offend anybody um, <laughs> okay I'm ready to be offended. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> you confessed something to God. You can confess a sin, but you already know in the back of your mind, he knew I was doing this, he knew it was a sin, and I said it out loud, but that doesn't really mean I accept it. Hmm. Um, but if you confess to somebody else, somebody who maybe you see every single day, then you know, okay, this person, or for example, uh, my room, I have a problem. I watch way too much television and <laughs> I need to do homework. My roommate, when I tell him, hey, you know, one day I have a problem, mm -hmm. I can't manage my time, you know, and I just tell him for the next few months, every time he walks in and I'm watching television, he stands over me and he's like, do your homework. <laughs> so, you know, just having... That creepy voice behind you. <laughs> just, just having someone there someone that you see, someone tangible, uh, mm -hmm. to, that knows that, you know, you're going through this sin. It, mm -hmm. it can help you to really push yourself to want to make it better, to, you know, want to really start working with God mm -hmm. to, uh, to change, like you were saying, mm -hmm. to, to, to change the way or what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, just going back to this as a physical um, sickness as well, we touched on the fact that healing doesn't always come in the form of physical healing and physical restoration. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's a completely different result. When we consider this, and it happens to those around us, it happens to people we love, and it happens to people we don't have as much of a connection with, but in a very practical way, 
In what practical and loving ways can we comfort someone who is grieving the loss of a loved one? You know, this is doing exactly what James keeps reminding us, do. Mm-hmm. You have faith, do. You love, do. What is this, what's just some examples of practical ways that we can do when we know somebody is suffering in this way? Um, I know one thing that we do in our church is that they still have to live. They still have to eat. They still have bills. They still have things of that nature. Even though it feels like life has stopped, life has not stopped. So helping them in the process of resuming life as it is, cooking them a meal, maybe mm. sparing them some extra cash to take care of some things because they're not going to want to do much of anything. So helping them continue on with life by doing the practical and simple things such, I mean, gas money, you know, right. food. Or even maybe taking their car and filling it up. Yeah. Babysitting the kids, mm-hmm. you know, so. Mm-hmm. Mm. Definitely. A uh, thing. Oh, I'm sorry, we're going to say something. No, no, go ahead. She was just moving her head. Yeah, right. <laughs> She's looking back and forth, waiting for someone else to talk. <laughs> um, I know you guys have probably heard the stories of people who, they've just come, somebody's just died. And, you know, they, after the funeral, they're saying things like, you know, well, we were saying before, it's God's will. You know, he took the person away in their time. But people aren't always like that, especially when someone's taken away from life. If someone's hit by a car and mm-hmm. they're maybe 14, they're young. I think one thing we can do is accept the fact that people are going to be angry with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it happens. It's not the greatest mm-hmm. thing. But I think that if they had someone to work that out with, they weren't just thinking, okay, I'm angry with God. I'm angry with the church. And no one understands. Everyone's telling me, you know, mm-hmm. it's not God's fault. That's not what you want to hear. You want to hear, hey, I went through this situation too. I was also angry with God, but you know, after time, after studying this and this, et cetera, you know, they want to hear testimonies, testimonies of your struggle with the same issue. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people don't want to hear anything at all. They mm-hmm. just want to, you know, the company or somebody to be there for them um, and just, you know, being practical, giving that person that, you know, physical at- affection, like mm-hmm. a hug or, or something like that. That kind of thing is also very helpful. Um, you know, like like you were saying, people are sometimes angry when they lose someone, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes the things that we say are worse, um, yes. <laughs> make things worse. Yeah. So you know, just sometimes um, doing what Abby was saying, bringing things that they might need, trying to look out for their needs, um, and definitely just being there for the person, looking out for what mm-hmm. what is necessary at that moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I can tell I have a very compassionate group amongst me, which is nice. You know, I think that those are very, all three of those um, ideas are very important. And one of the things that you said, Natalia, that sometimes you don't need to say, I think that's one of the things that I really want to emphasize because a lot of times, you know, the needs that they have, like you were saying, Abby, there are physical needs. Mm And if we're just going in saying, what do you need? Mm. That isn't always going to invite a response, really. Usually you, for that sort of question, you'll go, I'm fine, thank you. Right. Don't need anything, thanks. But if you go in and listen and really get to hear what they're struggling with and really allow them to open up, many times those sort of things will come to light that, oh, the kids are driving me crazy and I don't even have some time for myself. 
can be taken as, you know, gives you an opportunity to offer mm -hmm. at least, would you like me to take your kids? Not forever, <laughs> but for a little while to give you some time. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know if we can talk about what happens backstage. Um, <laughs> but uh, what was the, what was it you were saying about what religion was? Oh, where is that? See, now you're gonna make me look it up. <laughs> um, in James one twenty seven, it was really when I was reading through the whole book. It was the one that really got me, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Yes. And with that, there's so much more to say, but there's no more time to say <laughs> it. So I hope you can continue the conversation in your own time. And thank you so much for being here with us. And if you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool, the letter U, org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and it's transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Angela Taipei.